Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, Bill Werner takes a close look at a topsy-turvy week of state politics, September is Workforce Development Month, and the new voice of St. Thomas Athletics. But first, to say it's been an interesting year would be a massive understatement. COVID, drought, wildfires, economic recovery, civil unrest have all been at the front of Minnesotans' minds lately. I recently sat down with Governor Tim Walls at the State Fair to catch up on all of these topics and more. I think the first thing on the top of my mind is a sense of gratefulness, um, especially with the state fair being, you know, steeped in agriculture, obviously, and an understanding that it was a really challenging year. And as I was just mentioning, one of our biggest concerns at the start of the COVID pandemic was is food security of what would happen. Um, Our producers were resilient, our processors were resilient, our grocery stores and grocery store clerks were on the front lines and resilient, and in this country we made sure that no one needed to go hungry by it. So I think I come to the State Fair this year after after last year grateful. Um, I think we, we do focus on, it's been a tough year from the pandemic to civil unrest to drought to wildfires, um, and, and it feels like society's a little strained at times. This is so good for the soul. And I would, you know, as I talk to people, you need to measure during COVID of what's safe for you and your family, how to mitigate risk, but to understand that we've learned over the 18 months, you need this social interaction. You need to see folks. We need to see we're all in it together. So I, I think the word I would use is grateful today. I've had an opportunity to chat with a lot of folks here this morning, and almost everybody I've spoken to has said that they're here because they want to get back together again. Yeah. Kind of the theme of the fair. Um, Obviously, that is a little bit difficult to manage when we have a pandemic going on. Any uh, regrets or second thoughts about not having a mandate or or having the the power to exercise that mandate? Well, my first responsibility is to keep Minnesotans safe, and, and I will, you know, I, I, I regret as a nation that it became so polarized and political. The fact of the matter was, with the legislature of trying to get things done, get a budget, get things, other things done, that we compromise some. I do believe that we're, we're in an endemic phase where we now have to learn how to manage this together. Um, I would certainly encourage people to, to think about those guidance that we're getting. The vaccination is first and foremost. That's your number one line of prevent, protection. And then I think things like masking, to, to think about it from your family and to think about it protecting others. When you're outside, you're sitting in a setting like we are, um, the risk is relatively low. You start getting crowded together in a building, you really need to wear a mask. So I think of trying to work with folks to uh, to find a long-term solution because we're going to be living with this for years. It, it's going to be with us for years. I think that idea that we would crush this and it would go away in its entirety, that's not going to happen. We're not going to get everybody vaccinated. Um, we're seeing the variants start to come up, but there's smart things we can do to manage it. So I think continuing to learn, um, continuing to do the things that make sure that we protect as many people as we possibly can, especially the most vulnerable. I will say I the thing I'm losing sleep over now is, is as I'm starting to see more children get this. And I think that's where we as a, as a state and as a nation need to really think about how we protect those kids. And that's something I was going to ask you about. Obviously, some kids are in school already. Uh, most are going in after Labor Day. 
in terms of safety, sending kids back to school, what are we going to do here in Minnesota? Yeah. Well, we've got a good plan. We certainly follow CDC guidance. Um, Minnesota Department of Health, Minnesota Department of Education have put out that guidance. Uh, obviously, because of the lack of, uh, of emergency powers being issued by myself and our administration, we're counting on those local folks to follow that guidance, to use it in their situation. I think one of the biggest things we can do is, again, vaccinate. Get your kids that are old enough to be vaccinated. We're very hopeful that it's coming for younger kids here very soon. Um, and, and then make sure that we're testing. That's one of the things Minnesota stands out among states is that our testing program is more robust. Every single student in school has the opportunity to test and should. And then once your child, if they're not feeling well, if they test positive, is keep them home, isolate them, and let's try and keep as many kids in school as possible. Me being a, a career teacher, I know how important that is. So I think we're counting on a lot of help. And this is where I keep coming back to it. I get the thing. I hate the masks, too. I mean, it, it, it interferes with how you want to do things. But it right now we know that you can be vaccinated and still carry the Delta variant that can give it to kids who don't have the ability to be vaccinated. So I really can't stress enough that it's really about helping others. And, and I think one of the things we can do is we're seeing this, a large number of our schools are are having students wear masks and it's the right thing. You know, I'm, I'm tracking one down in Mankato where a young man, a 19 year old, went to school down there at West where I taught, um, he's in the hospital now in serious condition on this. And, and that's starting to happen more often. So we just need to continue to look out for our neighbors, look out for those kids. You know, at the beginning of the conversation, we talked about all the things going on. One of them that we're in the middle of right now is a drought that's uh, devastating a lot of farmers, particularly in the northern part of the yeah. state. What kind of help is there going to be for that? Well, the federal government plays a big role in that, and some of the things they did on some of the forage programs um, is helpful. We know we've got crop insurance. doesn't make people whole, but it provides a little bit of a safety net. I do believe there's things that the state can do. We put some programs together, rural finance authority, low interest or zero interest loans, um, and, and I'm asking the legislature to consider, we're going to be coming back here probably in September to take care of this essential worker program that we passed. I think there needs to be a package, and we're starting to work with stakeholders to build that package of drought relief that we can get in September and then continue into next year. And I, I just again remind Minnesotans, a small percentage of folks feed the world and this is as bad as it's been for a very long time. And a lot of folks, especially in, in animal livestock work, the safety net there is not as robust as people think. And if you're not in agriculture, you think, well, there's all kinds of government programs for these folks. Well, those those programs are what keep your food safe at the store. Those programs keep your food affordable, um, but they do not make people whole. These folks would much rather just sell their products on the market and make the profit that way. Um, but the drought is, it's, it is serious, and I, I we need to think next year, if this happens again, what do we do? Thank you to my guest, Minnesota Governor Tim Walls. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Who are we? We're your neighbors, co-workers, and friends. That's right, we live and work in the community too. Because of that, we're committed to making sure our electric services stay reliable, affordable, and safe. Throughout the state, Minnesota electric co-ops work independent of each other, but with the same goal, provide power to Minnesota. You have so many other things to worry about. Your electricity isn't one of them. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives, bringing power to the people of Minnesota. 
Considering an online pharmacy? Explore BeSafeRx to find useful information and resources to help you purchase medicines safely online. A safe online pharmacy requires a doctor's prescription, has an address in the United States, has a licensed pharmacist, and is licensed by a state pharmacy board. It's best to stay away from online pharmacies that don't meet these criteria. Discover more helpful tips and resources at BeSafeRx. Go to FDA.gov slash BeSafeRx. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. As students go back to school, some of their elders are beginning the biennial game of political musical chairs. MNN's Bill Werner reports it was an active week. Scott, the Minnesota State Fair is often the time when politicians make known their future plans, and this week was certainly no exception, with a significant expansion in the field of Republicans vying for their party's endorsement for governor. Ham Lake Senator Michelle Benson made her announcement at a machining company in Blaine. This isn't going to be an easy path. Whatever work needs to be done, whatever money needs to be raised, whatever coffee shops need to be visited, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to beat those guys, and I'm going to be our nominee, and I'm going to be the next governor of this state. Democrats wasting no time taking aim. DFL party chairman Ken Martin saying Benson as a state senator has, quote, worked tirelessly to strip health care away from millions of Minnesotans. She has belittled those suffering under the skyrocketing cost of insulin, suggesting that uh, going to the emergency room as a way uh, to avoid rationing medication. Benson responded. We actually found an insulin solution that made it available to Minnesotans in partnership with insulin producers. And even as Benson officially kicked off her campaign for governor, one of her colleagues, Brainerd Lakes Area Senator Paul Gazelka, announced he was stepping down as Senate Republican Majority Leader, a clear indication that Gazelka is moving closer toward a strongly rumored run for governor. I'm leaning towards it. That is a definite direction. Gazelka said he's waiting until after the state fair to make any kind of announcement. He isn't officially in the race for governor, but Democrats this week acted as if Gazelka is, Chairman Martin accusing him of trading in misinformation throughout the pandemic. Gazelka's decision to hold a maskless super spreader event led to a COVID-19 outbreak among lawmakers, and as a result, one of his own colleagues, Senator Jerry Ralph, died from COVID-19 following that event. Gazelka responded, Governor Tim Walls overreached with COVID emergency orders. The executive branch has used emergency powers too much and too long. DFL Chair Martin, meanwhile, labeled Gazelka an obstructionist on police reform. Gazelka responded he's always been open to reform, but... The number one issue is going to be public safety, not, not police reform. There are some Democrats that are frankly out of touch and don't realize that the streets aren't, don't feel safe for a lot of people. The real question to Paul Gazelka and Michelle Benson is, what is your plan to deal with crime? More importantly, what is your plan to make sure that police uh, in this state aren't murdering people in the streets? Well, okay, let's break to an expert take from Hamlin University political and legal analyst David Schultz. I think both the handling of COVID and also law and order or police reform are the top two issues, although Gazelka has hinted at saying that he wants to uh, make it a campaign that also talks about taxes and government spending. So I would say those become the three, but clearly the pandemic and law and order police reform are going to be the dominant issues. Give us an assessment of who's in a better position on each of those issues, the law and order, police reform issue versus COVID. Republicans or Democrats in a better position on on one or the other of those issues? 
when it comes to the law and order issue, I think the Republicans may be closer to where the American public and where the Minnesotans are, um, and that the push for, let us say, defunding police is is not popular um, either uh, among most Democrats or with the swing voters. And so I think the Republicans probably have a slight nod there. And up until recently, it looked like the Democrats had an advantage in terms of the handling of the pandemic. Again, that may be something um, that's up for contest as we're going through the Delta wave at this point. That's Hamlin University Professor David Schultz. A special panel tasked with making recommendations to the legislature went into the holiday and Monday's Labor Day deadline without agreement on which frontline workers will share in COVID bonuses authorized by the legislature. Republican Senator Karen Housley from Stillwater stresses there's only $250 million available and... We all agree that long-term care workers, assisted living, nurses, nursing homes, law enforcement, health care providers, first responders... All were at increased risk. Democratic Representative Cedric Frazier from New Hope responded, that list excludes a large swath of workers. They showed up every single day and put their lives at risk and put their families' lives at risk, their kids' lives at risk. Do the job of an essential worker because the state, we said, you need to show up to work. Democrats have proposed partial bonuses for a larger group of workers with the remainder being paid when the legislature approves additional funds. But even if lawmakers agree on who gets COVID bonuses and how much, a planned special session later this month to pass a bill is now in question. That's because of a threat by some Senate Republicans to oust a prominent member of Governor Tim Walz's cabinet, Health Commissioner Jan Malcolm. Democratic Senator Aaron Murphy said there must be conversations with Republicans about setting aside concerns over commissioners so the work can be done for frontline Minnesotans. And I am clear that Governor Walz will not call us back in. Uh, I don't expect that he would call us back in uh, unless we're able to reach that conclusion. Republican leaders did not respond to a request for comment. Hamlin University professor David Schultz says, I wouldn't be surprised if the governor uh, ultimately um, is is forced to have to make that choice and say, do I help the frontline workers and lose Malcolm or do I keep Malcolm um, but not compensate the frontline workers? Scott? Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. September is Workforce Development Month. Tasha Radel explains. This comes at a critical time as many employers have worker shortages and many workers are faced with career path changes. Joining me today is DEED Deputy Commissioner Hamse Warfa. Deputy Commissioner, can you tell us a little bit about what's behind this month? It's a moment to pause and reflect and recognize, you know, uh, the important role that workforce uh, development does in our communities, advancing our economic development. Uh, and it's often hard to, you know, have economic prosperity without workforce. Uh, so central to the success of our economy and our prosperity is the work that is done by workforce, you know, professionals. Uh, and so we take a moment to recognize the governor, uh, uh, makes proclamation for the month, and we reached out to uh, all of our partners who play, you know, uh, enormous uh, 
makes enormous contributions and uh, instrumental role uh, to advance this work. I know the COVID-19 pandemic really impacted Minnesota's unemployment rate and the state's labor force participation rate. How is the recovery going? Yeah, so we, we are quite fairly doing better than many other states. Uh, so our unemployment rate for July was 3.9. And that's really nearly where it was before the pandemic started. Uh, but as you know, the unemployment rate is only one part right, of the story. Uh, if you look at the Minnesota labor force particip- participation rate, we are at 67.8% in July. So it, while it's much higher than the national, which is about 61%, 61.7%, we are about almost 2.8%, uh, 2.4% down from where we were before the pandemic. So Minnesota always ranked top five, type, top six uh, in the country uh, where we were at 70%, you know, 70.2% before the pandemic. Uh, so that 2.4%, you know, translates about 87,050 people who are no longer working or looking for work. And we want to uh, put all of our efforts, uh, collective impact, to ensure that we're getting as many Minnesotans back to work as possible, especially such a critical time that we are in now. Deputy Commissioner Warfa, do you feel the pandemic is what led working Minnesotans to exit the job force? Yeah, it's important to recognize that, you know, uh, even before the pandemic, uh, we had significant workforce shortages. and that has, you know, the pandemic has accelerated, you know, that even despite the fact that, you know, a lot of people lost their jobs. Uh, and so it's a trend uh, across the state and across the country. Uh, in the next, you know, several years, uh, we we anticipate, you know, this trend to continue. But we're doing everything possible to make sure that, you know, we prepare the workforce of today and the future. Uh, by, you know, connecting supply and demand, you know, employers and uh, job seekers. Uh, And finally, for someone looking to re-enter the workforce, what is really a good first step for them to take? Yeah, the first uh, good step is really uh, going to careforcemn.com. Careforcemn.com is the system we have where all of workforce partners uh, collaborate. Uh, someone can go there to find employment opportunities. Uh, someone can go there to get help uh, with resources as, such as resume building, counseling, you know, uh, career counseling. Uh, you can find virtual career fair events that are happening across the state, uh, and it has multiple languages. So it's kind of the one-stop shop, you know, for anyone looking for. Uh, workforce, you know, support, whether it is looking for work or necessary workforce training they're looking for. Uh, So I would really encourage people to go to uh, career, C-A-R-E-E-R-F-O-R-C-E-M-N.com. We're also making calls to uh, Minnesotans who are unemployed uh, in a campaign called Good Jobs Now where we are proactively calling people, sharing, you know, uh, resources, making uh, referrals to uh, the resources that are available to them. So 
careerforcemn.com is the uh, best resource uh, for folks. Thanks again to my guest, D. Deputy Commissioner Hamse Warfa. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. We'll have more Minnesota Matters after this. Did you know that more lives are lost to lung cancer each year than breast, colorectal, and prostate cancers combined? Lung cancer will claim more than 135,000 lives this year. But new treatments have improved survival for many with the disease and offer new hope for many more. So does lung cancer screening with low-dose chest CT. The American Cancer Society and most major professional organizations recommend that adults ages 55 and older with a long history of smoking, even if they have quit, should talk with their doctor to learn more about lung cancer screening. Lung cancer screening saves lives by detecting lung cancer early when it's more successfully treated. So, ask your doctor if lung cancer screening is right for you. And if you smoke, ask your doctor to help you quit. Visit the National Lung Cancer Roundtable website at nlcrt.org. That's nlcrt.org. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. St. Thomas embarks on its first ever football season as a Division I institution next weekend. This past week, the athletic department named its new radio voice of Tommy's Athletics. Corbu Status will be the announcer for football and men's basketball, and he joined MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm. Well, Corbu, how excited are you to be taking over as the voice of Tommy Athletics in this first year of Division One competition? Really excited. It's uh, always been a dream of mine to be the voice of a program, and it's going to be hard to leave my Gopher family. Uh, 14 years uh, with Lynette Choquist and, of course, you and Guardsy and DT, Daryl Thompson. Uh, that's hard to walk away from, but this is a great opportunity for me professionally uh, an exciting opportunity to be a part of something new, and as it grows, and it was just something I couldn't pass up. You had mentioned to me earlier that there's some uh, uh, enticement, too, that you start as the first voice in the first season because it's uh, kind of a blank slate that you kind of get to mold over the years and help create. Yeah, I think that's really the exciting part is that I'm going in and we're all building it together, myself, St. Thomas, Learfield, and really – that, that means you get to do what you want to do. Uh, there's not the traditions in place, which can be bad, but I think in this point place it's good because we get to be creative. And sometimes you stumble on some things that nobody had thought of before just out of desperation. And I think not that we're in a desperate place, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun to build and be creative and kind of make it our own. As you prepare for it, as you've talked now with people who you'll be working with and working for within the athletic department, uh, this has come at a fairly rapid pace in regard to uh, where St. Thomas was, say, two or three years ago as a Division Three institution and obviously a highly successful institution to where uh, you know they got in a little fight with some of their brethren within the conference and moved on. And now all of a sudden it's Division I. Um, what have uh, athletic director Dr. Phil Eston and, and some of his associates uh, relayed to you what the the, the goals are of this Tommy's program as uh, they embark on this journey? I think they want to be a top 10 Catholic university in the nation. And so I think to be able to do that and use athletics as kind of the front porch, the front door, as people like to say, is their goal. And that's really the thing I've heard from everybody in the athletics department and the university is that 
they really are working hand in hand, and that's so huge, especially in a move like this where it's going to be, it's going to take a lot of time, it's going to take a lot of money, and you're going to have to put some back behind it, some effort behind it. You better have everybody on the same page, and they do. And that's really exciting too because that means nobody is saying, well, that's okay for now. It's like, hey, yeah, let's do this. Let's really push it. Yeah, and they uh, have resources and backing from important people. And uh, obviously, when uh, having graduated from a small private school myself, there's some pride mm-hmm. uh, in that. And the alumni base is excited about what's happening here. Yeah, there's a lot of strong feelings about the Tommies in the Twin Cities. Both ways. It's really interesting. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but it's a lot of fun, too, in that uh, when you're a Tommy, it feels like you're a Tommy for life. Well, you waited all this time to finally get to be the voice of a program, and then uh, in football vernacular, there's a false start. The first game's canceled, <laughs> right? Uh, so you get to wait another seven days. The game was supposed to be this weekend to open. Your first game as voice of Tommy's football. Uh, it becomes next weekend. Tell us about, uh, about uh, who the opponent is and how excited you are for that first uh, cracking of the mic. Well, you know, Michigan Tech in Houghton, uh, it'll be my first trip ever to the Upper Peninsula. So I get to see an UP, up in, UP uh, whatever they call them, uh, in person. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, yeah, you know, you wait 20 years, what's another week, right? right? Uh, it's really excited. Uh, a chance to uh, call a football game on a Saturday at the collegiate level. It's I've only done it once. And that was, you know, almost 18 years ago. You know this, Mike. There's nothing like college football on a Saturday. No question. The fall, the excitement. Uh, football carries that weight in this country. For sure. And let's reflect uh, for a moment on your time with the Gophers. 14 seasons, uh, voice of Gopher women's basketball. You were alongside uh, all of us as a colleague with the football broadcast doing scoreboard updates and pregame segments and halftime show and, and all of that. Uh, on occasion, uh, you would do a men's game when I was with the football team. Um, what are some of your uh, fond memories of, of your time with, uh, outside of getting to hang out with me, which has to be the top, I'm <laughs> sure, uh, what, what, what are some fond memories of your time uh, 14 years uh, with the Gopher uh, program? Well, 1B, because you're 1A. Yeah, of course. But uh, 1B would be working with Lynette Showquist. Uh, absolute pleasure to work with. We had a ton of fun together. And she really was like my work wife. We were always excited to see each other. So maybe that's not quite like a marriage, but we were always really excited to see each other. We had, I thought, great chemistry and really enjoyed each other's company on the air. Um, That was a hard phone call to make, to call Lynette and tell her that I was moving on. That felt like a breakup, Mm -hmm. and it was hard. Uh, So she would be 1B behind you. And then um, just the unique opportunities uh, that I've had, a chance to – when I was in Brooklyn calling a men's game, and it was five on three. Right. Uh, Alabama. Yeah, right? against yeah. Alabama, and that was amazing. Um, working with Spencer was great. Of course, uh, going to the Bahamas and all the trips I've had a chance to take with Gopher Women's Basketball, working with the Lindsey Whalen. Um, there's players that have gone through that are now in the WNBA. You know, it's one of those things where you look back, and if you told your 16-year-old self, hey, you're going to know professional basketball players on a personal level, mm-hmm. Um, you're going to get to travel across the world to work. I think most people would sign up for that. Yeah, for sure. Well, we will miss you, but I'm so happy for you with this new opportunity as well. And the beauty is you're still in town, so we can still uh, hang out and you know find a place to go have lunch. I'm so happy. Congratulations. We'll look forward to hearing uh, you describe all this great Tommy action as they embark on this wonderful journey, and you're there for the ride. Yeah, thanks, Grimmer. This is a great market to be in, a tough market to be in, because there's a lot of talent. So I hope to uh, keep up 
with yourself and all the others. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you. My pleasure. That's the new voice of the Tommies, Corbu Status, with MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm. That is going to do it for us for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.